I'm so thankful this morning for our worship team. You guys really um, helped me kind of enter into the presence of God and just sing about that, our humble King, Jesus, who has loved us with an everlasting love. Um, like Barry, I too was gone last week uh, and missed you all. I, I don't know if you all uh, uh, missed us, but uh, we definitely missed you. Um, I, I also am missing vacation. Now, that was fun, um, but uh, miss be with you all. I am reminded this morning about love, uh, the love for a church family. There's those of you that I've known, uh, like Josh and Joe and, and Roy, for, for many, many years, even before I was here with you all at Valley. And some of you all, I've remembered about just how long some of the relationships have been around. Mike, I grew up, right, youth group, right, right here. And Jim grew up youth group right here, I mean, right here. That was a, that was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> but how, as a church family, so many of us are new, and so many of us have actually been here a long time, and God continues to blend us together as family on a mission. Family, that's our mission statement, right? That, that, that we are this people of God together as a family on mission. That we are God's people who have a purpose to glorify his name, to lift up Jesus to make Jesus known to a world, as Pastor Barry reminded us during prayer, a world that is desperate to know Jesus. We constantly need adjustments. We constantly need uh, to be renewed in our attitude of our mind. Scripture tells us uh, in Romans uh, chapter 12 that we are called to be God's people in view of God's mercy. We present ourselves as living sacrifices. That's our true spiritual act of worship. We're not to be conformed to the image of this world, but we are transformed by a renewing of our minds. Part of that means a change of attitude. We've been singing a song, Change My Heart, O God. We're going to sing that quite a bit because that is our prayer. Change my heart. Change my attitude towards circumstances, towards people, towards make me more like Jesus. Let's pray together as we enter a time of just studying God's word together and ask God to speak to us about the change that he wants to make in us. Father, we open ourselves to you today. We ask that you would just make us more like your son, Jesus, in our minds, in our hearts, in our love for one another, and our love for the world. We pray this in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Well, we are starting this new series, and we're looking at the book of Philippians. Now, Philippians, sometimes we put a structure to it, and we're calling it attitude adjustment because, frankly, we all need a little change of attitude. Um, <clears throat> vacation is good for that. It can be good for that. It was good for me. I'll tell you, just I missed you all, but it was good for me to have a little bit of an attitude change, to be in another place, to be with some friends, uh, some different friends, to renew some relationships, to go <clears throat> hiking in rainforests and snorkeling in Caribbean waters. That was a good thing for me. I, I'll just I thank you for some time away. It was really fantastic. Missed you all, but it was good for my heart. It was good for just renewal. And we all need those times. God has created a Sabbath for us. But he has also given us, of course, his scripture. Um, and scripture is part of that renewal. So let's read together Philippians chapter 1. It begins with verse 1 saying this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to God's holy people in Philippi, together with the deacons and the overseers, grace and peace 
to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he, that is God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now it's right for me to feel this way, Paul says, about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I, I'm in chains or I'm defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what's best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the, the filled with the uh, fruit uh, of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. This was Paul's opening statement in a letter that he's writing to a church. He's writing to the Philippian church. It was one that, that he had started along with Timothy and some other missionaries as they traveled. Uh, God had called them from where they were working in, in an area called Asia Minor. It was modern-day Turkey. Paul and the apostles had been there, and they had been spreading Jesus. They had been starting churches. They were moving in a direction, and God stopped them. God called them back, called them to Macedonia, called them over into Europe, into Greece. And there, um, Paul goes to Philippi, this leading Roman city, did not find a synagogue, did not find a place where people were already worshiping, um, sharing scriptures weekly. But he came and found a place of prayer. And Lydia, this woman, was there with a few others. And she responded to the message of Jesus by the river. And she and her family became believers. Paul was there with this church as it was birthed. These were people that were valuable and special to him. Paul was arrested there, thrown into prison, and in prison God did a miracle, and all of a sudden the jailer and his whole family became Christians. These people were people that shared the power and mercy of God with Paul, and Paul had been part of that church from its very beginning. Now, the letter of Philippians, this book that's in the Bible, was written back to that church later in Paul's life when he finds himself in prison, probably in prison in Rome. And here, he's needing their support. They have sent him financial support because in the Roman system, you had to kind of provide for yourself while you're under house arrest or in prison. And so here, Paul was receiving money from the Philippians, receiving encouragement from the Philippians while he was in jail. So he's writing basically a thank you note. <clears throat> you remember thank you notes? Something we used to do way back in the day, something my mom tried to always make me, you know, you'd get birthday presents and my mom would try to make me write a thank you note. It's like, they're all my friends, mom. I'll give them a present at their birthday. It'll, it'll all work out. We don't need to write thank you notes or for Christmas. Or We've kind of gotten out of the habit of that, saying thank you. We probably need an attitude adjustment, right? We need to remember to give thanks and, and give thank you notes. This was a thank you note from God. Did you notice in the note how much Paul loved the Philippians? Did you notice how many times he talked about with the affection of Christ Jesus, how he longed for them? In verse 8, it says it that way, right? Um, 
God can testify. God can testify. He's putting God on the witness stand. God who actually knows my heart. God can testify how much I long for you. Um, I long for all of you with that affection of Christ Jesus. The same love that God has for you, that's the love he's put in me for you. Now, I don't think we ought to run past that. God can testify. Sometimes we're quick to kind of call God in, you know, well, I, I swear, I mean, I'm honest, like this, this is the God honest truth. You know, we'll say like little phrases like that, and you, you, you've heard them, you've used them. Paul's bringing God, he's actually thinking God. God who calls every word into account. God who loves me, who has forgiven me, but the God who I serve is my witness here about what's going on in my heart. We should not do that lightly. We should not do that flippantly. We should not just, oh, well, you know, I swear. We should not do those kinds of things. We need to speak with reverence when we're coming to talk about the God Almighty. And Paul is absolutely doing that as he says, God can tell, it, can, this is true. The Lord knows it's true. I'm speaking in all honesty, I love you. I have an intense affection for you. I care about you deeply, as with the love of Christ Jesus, that same love that he has for you. Brothers and sisters, I'm convinced of this truth. We need to make sure that our children, our grandchildren, know that God loves them. I, I, you know that college ministry, it's starting. We had a retreat here with UMBC, young men and women, uh, this weekend. Um, spend time with them. I'm convinced that so much of the anxiety, so much of the struggle, so much of the, of the questions come because they don't know this simple truth that God loves them and God loves you. There's never been a time that God has not loved you. From before creation, he already planned to send Jesus, his son, to die in your place, to pay for all of your sins. God doesn't like the sin. God doesn't like the choices we've made. God isn't satisfied with what we've done with our lives. Absolutely not. But he loved us all the same. Paul says, I love you with the affection that Christ has. That's a big, tall order because the affection of Christ has. God loves us even after saving us, even after redeeming us. He loves us knowing all the mistakes we still will make, all the sins we will still commit. God's love does not change. He will never love you any more, and he will never love you any less because he already loves you to the maximum, to the full. It's complete. Brothers and sisters, we say this a lot, I guess, in this church. And I think we need to because we walk around with the wrong attitude. We walk around with this, with this, oh, no, I can't come back to God kind of speech. No, no, no. God loves you, and he loves others. This is foundational. It's the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul says that, look, guys, look at verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about you. It's right. This is the thing I should do because ever since I... I it's right for me to feel this way because I have you in my heart. Um, there's, that, there's that emotion, that affection for whether I'm in change or defending of, of the gospel. What does he say? Look at the next slide. All of you share in God's grace with me. And here we begin to see what's going on. Paul, and we're going to work through these two big reasons. The two reasons we are able to have an attitude adjustment is because 
we all share in that love of God. God loves you, but he loves everybody else that he's placed in your life with that same passion, with that same love, with that same sacrificial care. God loves you as well. So we share in this grace of God. This summer, I, I did have that experience of a family reunion. Any, anybody else do, do family reunions? It was interesting. I, 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 the, the, the people I haven't seen in a while. People I'm like, wow, we're really, really different, but we're part of the same family. Anybody have a little, you know, um, <clears throat> does anybody have that, um, boy, you really get on my nerves, yet you're part of the same family. Anybody, uh, okay. Have you ever noticed, and I had to go back to think about this. Who's the person that you're like, I don't know, shortest with or quickest with or meanest with or just, you know? It's probably my spouse. We're having couples class. It's starting today. Um, maybe Vicki and I need to go. But, you know, like, when, when, I shouldn't be. <clears throat> Who's probably the second person that I'm probably the shortest with, I mean, quick to have a bad attitude with or temper with? If I look at my life, probably mom. Yeah. Moms out there are like, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, you tell them. Uh, uh, we don't treat our moms really well sometimes, right? We're quick to get into an argument with like, oh, mom. You know, and sometimes with that when we're teenagers especially, but it happens all the time. Hey, moms, remember you had a mom too, right? <laughs> How did you treat your mom, right? Mm, okay, and so often it's the people in our own families that we can be like the most just, harsh with, critical of. We don't say it in the nicest way. We say it in the most direct or meanest way possible. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, right? Um, if people saw how we were. <clears throat> I happened to be on this little vacation I mentioned, doing some little kayaking with my wife um, on the can canoe uh, kayak thing that we were doing. Um, <clears throat> that's not always a good thing for us. We're not always coordinated on that kind of thing. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, right, left, right, left. I'm like, no, just keep it. Mm, okay, okay, we're going straight. Let me have it. I'll just control it. I found myself getting bad attitude. We were on a tour group. Rachel and Ryan were on the same tour group. And Ryan was going, hey, man, I, I thought it was funny. Right, left, right. Hey, I'll just handle it. I was like, oh, no. I didn't want anybody else to hear that. We're short with our families, right? We're often not loving best to our families. We're often quick to criticize our families. Brothers and sisters in the church, it's the same sometimes. We're quick to um, criticize. We're quick to be short. We're often coming in conflict. It's like, why is this? Well, I guess because we're stuck with them, right? It's like they're not going anywhere, no matter how, what a jerk I am. We need an attitude adjustment. Anybody with me? Shouldn't our spouses be the person we're the most loving towards? Shouldn't they be the, 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 the ones who receive the best, kindest, most encouragement from us? Aren't they the most, I mean, right? Shouldn't our moms, shouldn't our dads, shouldn't our children be the ones that receive the best from us? I think we need an attitude, a judgment, a, adjustment. Shouldn't our church families receive what is best? Well, <clears throat> Let's let the book of Philippians guide our thoughts and guide our attitudes this morning. Um, we need to love people with the love of Christ because of, get this, who we are in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul emphasizes. Number one, we need to love people with the affection of Christ because of who we are in Christ. 
Look at what it says at the very beginning, in the very first verse. It says, what, Paul and Sir Timothy, servants of Christ? To all of God's saints or all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus, together with the overseers and deacons? What does he say about himself and Timothy? We are servants. Okay, the word here is douloi. It just means bond servants. These are the guys who are saying, okay, <clears throat> In Roman culture, they had a lot of slavery and servitude and indentured servitude and different things. In the Old Testament, they also had some different forms where if someone found themselves in financial hardships, they could like kind of say, okay, for the next seven years, I will be your servant. I will do whatever you say, work for you. And after that, you're going to pay off my debts. And after that, you know, I'll go free, that kind of thing. In the Old Testament regulations, someone could say, no, 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 I love my master. I kind of want to stay. I've become part of the household. I've become part of the family. I want to be here forever. That was sort of the same concept, this concept of a bond servant. It's like, I'm in, I'm in. They would actually pierce the ear. And like, I, I'm part of the family. And, and, and this is my community. This is my home. I, I'm in that servant role. I, I'm not in charge, but I'm here. This was the same idea. Paul was saying, we are bond servants of Jesus. He has brought us into the family. I owe him everything. Where Jesus says, go, I go. What he does, I, what he tells me to do, I do. I, and I'm, I'm bonded. I, I'm in there permanently. This, I belong to Jesus. He sees himself as one who has been forgiven, who has been brought into this new family, who has been brought in as a servant. Not to be first not to be comforted, not to have all the luxuries, although the benefits and the riches of God's glory are great. His attitude about himself was, I'm here to serve. Serve my king and serve his people. Serve my king and serve his people. And that's why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verse 14, it says, for Christ's love compels us. It's a love that I experience when Jesus convicted me of my sin, when Jesus showed me his great love through the cross where he died for me, where he rose again to give me new life, I experienced salvation. I experienced his love. I, God's love for me, I've realized is the same love for you. It now compels me. It thrusts me out. It pushes me in that direction because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for us. Jesus died that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you see it right there in the text? I'm convinced Jesus came to serve. Jesus gave himself. Jesus showed us God's love to the fullness. How can I do any less than show you God's love? Christ's love compels me. Ephesians 5.1 says a very similar thing where he says, hey, as dearly loved children, live a life of love. Dearly loved children, live a life of love. We live and we love because of who we are in Christ. We are beloved children and beloved servants, bond servants of Christ. But number two, we need to love people because of who they are in Christ Jesus, because of who they are in Christ Jesus. Look at how uh, Paul says it in Timothy to all of God's holy people. And if you've been here long enough, we figured out that all means what? Yeah, all means all. It just means all of them. It means the ones that are my favorites, the ones that give me great joy, the ones that I've known forever. Um, like I said, we had the UMBC guys here 
and Josh and Joe and came and, and led uh, worship. Josh and Joe were part of that group when they were college students. It was kind of cool. I don't know if it's fun to see the cycle go forward. I think it's kind of cool to see things continue. Um, and uh, we've had a friendship and discipleship relationships and served with Jesus for long, many years. And it, boy, that's easy. But, but then there's brand new people that I don't know so well. People that don't, oh, I like them. I don't know if I like everything about them. I like them generally, you know. No, we love, it's all God's people. That means the people that get on our nerves. That means the people that we disagree with. That means the people that don't share all our views of everything. That means the people that, that, that we wouldn't do it that way. All means all God's holy people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. How wealthy are they? How much they agree with me? How much they like my, my stuff? How much I like what they do? We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once even regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Because if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the treasure of God in jars of clay, the scripture says. You belong to the king. So how could I not treasure you as well? You are my inheritance, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, man, I want you to know the inheritance that you have in the saints. He's not talking about like, oh, saint somebody or another, saint so-and-so, and having some kind of a statue or a card or something. He's not talking about that at all. He's talking about God's holy people that are in your life. You are the saints of God that are my incredible treasure. You are my number one worth. We should belong to each other in that way. You've got those treasured possessions, right? I helped a friend, uh, Joanne and I actually helped a friend, a uh, church buddy here, uh, move yesterday. And he was like, okay, now that right there, that's a fragile one. Okay, that right there, musical instrument, that's, that's a valuable one. Oh, yeah, that's just a box of towels and sheets and stuff. You just throw that down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Different look. You have those valued possessions, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, we are called that you are the treasured possessions for one another like number one like what I care about the most make sure you get to down the stairs make sure you get loaded in the truck make sure you get to the destination unharmed do you see the, the call about God is calling us to we don't regard people from a worldly point of view you are the treasured possession for me I'm part of the treasured possession for you Verse 10 in, in Galatians chapter 6 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. That means people outside the church, not just within, but especially those who belong to the families of believers. Just like we should especially be kind and loving towards our spouse. Especially kind and loving towards our moms and dads. Especially kind and loving towards those who are, are directly among us. Especially kind and loving to the family of believers. So if you figured out some of the application here, right? <clears throat> we love people because who we are in Christ. We love people because of who they are in Christ, not because, not because of how they behave, not because of how we just feel about them, not because of how they've maybe treated us in the past, not because of fill in the blank. We don't judge people on their actions 
Because aren't we glad that we have a God that doesn't judge us and condemn us based on who we've been and what we've done? We experience the grace of God, and we need to give grace towards one another. Did you like this? Good little sermon. Yeah, positive. Feel convicted. I'm going to be more loving. <clears throat> Some of you are out there going, yeah, this is good. Yeah, yeah, I hear all this. <clears throat> it's how you do it. It's the practical, Mike. That's what we got to get to. How am I actually going to? Because I got to tell you, you don't know this guy. <laughs> this guy drives me nuts. This lady, I mean, I, I, mm, 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 mm. how in the world? Okay, here's the deal, guys. Paul's letter to the Philippians can actually help us because the, in that church, in that godly family, they also had some interpersonal uh, difficulties too, right? That's the same kind of thing. We can show love for all God's people because of that. So let's keep going. Um, this next slide, um, uh, Philippians 1, let's go on down to verse 2. It says this. I plead with Yodia, I plead with Synthesy uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, those whose names are in the book of life. Okay. Now, this isn't Philippians 1, actually. Um, <laughs> somehow I didn't correct that in my little slide. Uh, so this is actually, I think, chapter 4. Uh, Barry's giving me a four signal. This is way back into four. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, in Philippians 4, at the end of the book, um, he mentions like a particular issue in the church of, of, at Philippi. Now, these are obviously people that he knows. We are not told what the conflict is. But it's obviously two of these ladies in the church that have got a, such a severe disagreement, such a conflict, that it has become known to Paul and he's over in probably Italy area. Right? He's probably in Rome somehow. He's hearing rumors of this, this fight, this, this clash that was happening in this church. Now, guys, Paul was not just calling out people to embarrass them, right? Paul was not just like, oh, hey, let me tell you a story about <laughs> Rachel and Ryan in Puerto Rico when we were snorkeling. Let me tell you about it. He's not calling people out just to like tell some humorous story or embarrass them. I mean, he's putting this in the letter because it was serious. It was significant. It was impacting the entire church. He was putting this in the letter because these women obviously were influential. They were leaders in the congregation. He was putting this in the letter because he was calling the entire church to help out and resolve this particular conflict. He mentions Clement by name. He mentions this loyal Yelp fellow, um, his true companion. It says, this guy who shares in leadership. We don't know who he is. We don't know if that was his name, Yoke fellow, or here the NIV translates it companion. But it's someone who carries the burden along with him. I, I suspect it was like, more like a encouraging title, like, hey, buddy, um, you know who you are. The church knew who it was, someone who was either a pastor or a leader in the church to help these people resolve their conflict. Why? Well, because all of them, look at that last phrase, they are co-workers whose names are in the book of life. We are on the same team. We have got to get it right. We have got to get it together. Any of you guys done the sports stuff where you've had uh, inter-team conflict? 
And like, I, you guys got to get it right. Because <laughs> if you guys, I mean, well, I'm not passing the ball to him. I, no, 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 no. It's, we got to work together. We got to get this right for the kingdom. So Paul, the Philippian church had those struggles too. So he's going to give us some practical ways. And I think in the first chapter, in these opening verses, he gives us some very practical things. How do we develop that really Christ-like love for all people? Number one, give thanks for them. Give thanks for them. Thank God for the people in your life, for the people in your church, for the people who even cause you great consternation or problems, right? Maybe it's those people at work or family. Start giving prayers. Look what Paul does in verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. It's a constant thanking. It's an ongoing thanking. It's, a, it's a, something he does often. Because even the person that drives you nuts, there's something you need to be thankful for. In my first ministry, there was a young man. I don't want to say his name. Uh, he's a good guy. He would help with the music, but he would quit every other week. He'd get fed up with something. It was about, I don't know, every night about 10 o'clock the phone would ring. It'd be him. That, that wasn't really a blessing in my life, I gotta be honest. He always wanted to talk about something. And it was always usually about a, he couldn't find a girlfriend or his class was really hard or something. And then at that time I was like, all right, man, I, I, I gotta go, you know, because we kind of talked about this yesterday. He was always like, well, I'm really having a crisis of faith. And as a young pastor, I was like, well, I can't hang up on that, okay. And then I realized um, that, uh, that he was just using that because he wanted to keep me on the phone. I think he was feeling a little lonely. Drove me nuts. But then I began to give thanks for God about his desire to know God, his desire to know God's word more. I began to give thanks for him, began to change my attitude. And by the end, he was one of the students that I just, I invite, he came to my house for Christmas one year um, to spend time with my family. I mean, he was one of the people that I actually cherished my time with. Start with giving thanks. He did have a heart for God. He did want to use his gift. Where can I give thanks? There's a TV show that I've started to watch uh, <clears throat> that some of you guys put me on to. It's, it's called Ted Lasso. Have anybody seen this one? The guy's a coach. He, he, he's a coach that, that um, did like Division Three football in America and then got recruited to do a Premier League soccer team in England, and he knows nothing about coaching the sport. So he just kind of goes in and says, here I am, thinking it's going to be fine. And in England, premier-level soccer, they take very seriously, and he did not realize that he was in way over his head. But all the media knew he was way over his head, and boy, they were just criticizing him right off the bat. Well, Ted Lasso just has a positive attitude. He seems to like everybody, he seems to enjoy people, and he just wants to be an influence. And here in this one scene, he's got one of the biggest critics from the biggest newspaper who was just giving him grief. He said, well, how about a, an exclusive interview? I'll spend the day with you. And the guy's like, really? Okay. And he was just and grilling him and grilling him. And they spent the whole day. They had lunch. And finally, at the end of it, after Ted Lasso had been grilled by this reporter all day long, Ted was like, I really enjoyed this. This has been really fun. I've just enjoyed getting to know you. And the guy said, you really mean that? You, you actually had fun. He's like, hey, yeah, yeah. And in the newspaper article, you got to hear kind of a clip of it in the show uh, that the guy wrote. He said, yeah, he doesn't know anything about soccer. I don't know how it's going to go, but here's the deal. I can't, find, I can't help myself rooting for him because he just is going to, he's trying really hard. And I thought, 
We need to be thankful for people. We need to, to, to win them over uh, with our love of them, with being thankful for them, and just see the good. Giving thanks helps us see the good. Number two, we need to pray. We need to pray for those that God has placed in my life. Look at what Paul says in verse four. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They were partners. We've already gone over this. They were on the same team. So what specifically should I pray to help change my heart? What specifically should I do um, as I'm praying for people in this church or people in my workplace or people in my family? How should I pray? What should I pray? Well, Paul tells us, look at verse nine. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love, may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be blameless and pure until the day of Christ. Your love may abound. Now, often we want to just pray for people. It's like, all right, yeah, I need to pray for them. Absolutely. No, no, no. I'm praying that your love would grow, your love for God, your love for others, that you would experience this. And look at specifically the two things he prays for. The first one is this, knowledge and depth of insight so that you might discern what is best. If you've got those people that are getting on your nerves, what if you begin to pray that their love would grow so that they would be able to see how to do what is right, how to do, I just pray they'd learn how to have a better attitude. No, God, I pray that you would help their love grow for you, your word, your people. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom in their interactions and how they interact with others and me. I pray that you, you begin to pray that they would grow in their knowledge and wisdom so that they would become the kind of people that God is calling them to be. And notice this, he also prays number two, that they would be blameless and pure. Blameless and pure until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. You're praying that they would have a transformed life, that they would be growing in ways that, man, ministry would be coming out of them, that they would be impacting others in positive ways. Now you're thinking, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Mike, you don't know this person. <laughs> the person that's on my mind, they're pretty far from living that full life that's pure and blameless. <clears throat> they're a jerk. <laughs> they're, just, let's, let's just say what it is. No, you believe in prayer. The truth of what is God, that Paul expresses third is that we believe that God is transforming our lives. We believe that God is transforming their lives. Believing in God's work, that's number three, in them. Praying that God would have that fruit because we believe in what God is doing. Look at verse six. This is what Paul says. Being confident that he who began the work in you would bring it about into completion until the day of Christ. Jesus. This is our destiny as believers in Jesus. We will be conformed to his image. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for, for we, uh, those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is our calling, to be like Jesus. Change my heart, O oh God. Make me more loving. Here's the practical way. Start believing that the change you want to see in you, God wants to do in others as well. So we thank God for what he's going to do in them. We thank God for who they are right now, and we pray for them that God would do that change in their life. And as we commit ourselves to that life of prayer for each other, guess what? Our affection grows. Our affection grows. When I moved to Maryland, I had lost all my relationships. 
All my students, they were gone. They were up in New York somewhere, and I had exactly zero students here. God brought me one girl at Towson, my very first Towson girl. Some of you guys know her. The ones I bring little grandkids around, that, that, that's her. She was my very first girl, Towson girl. Her family was going through a hard time. And her mom gave me this little weird cutout starfish. It had five people, and she had five people in her family. I stuck it in my Bible. And I made a commitment as that family was going through a hard time to pray for each person in that family, the five little rungs of the starfish, every day. And every day in my Bible read, I'd pull it out and pray for them first. That would be my first thing. Pray for them first. That went on for a few years. Is it any surprise that that's the ones I call my adoptive grandkids? Is it any surprise that as that change is happening in that family, that, 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 that there's just a bond? I mean, I did premarital counseling with her sister and her husband and, and mentored them as they went to seminary. Is it, any, is it any coincidence? Absolutely not. God wedded us together, bonded us together through prayer. So let's start. Let's start praying for one another. Tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll be praying for the family of believers here. Let's begin to pray for one another that we would see the change that we believe God is and know that God is making in us, he would make in others as well. And watch how our love for them increases. There may be someone watching online or here today that you haven't started this journey. You haven't said yes to Jesus. You haven't said, okay, I'm in on this journey. You haven't begun this life of transformation. Today's your day. Say yes to Jesus. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I want you to change my life, my heart. For those of us who are believers, maybe you're convicted. You haven't been living that transformed life, and you've been so busy griping and complaining about all the people that you haven't stopped to give thanks and pray that God would finish the work in them, bringing them to Jesus, transforming their lives. What is God convicting you to about this day? What is he calling you to this day? If you need to respond by either joining this church, by giving your life to Jesus, by finding out more about all of these things, I'm gonna be up front. Pastor David or Pastor Barry is gonna be up here too. Well, all three of us, who knows? Maybe a lot of people are responding today. You come, you respond. Um, the worship team is going to come. Music team is going to come and, and lead us in that chorus again. Change my heart, oh God. You respond as God is calling you. Let's stand as we sing. And I'm going to lead us in prayer as we enter this time. Father, we do ask that you would change our heart. Make us more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.